Welcome everybody to the Minimap Cast. This is Minimap.com.au's weekly games podcast, your favorite weekly games podcast. My name is Kerry Palmer, and joining me as always is Jeremy Bratitich. Hello, how are you? I'm good. I'm good, thank you. I put extra care to make sure that I enunciated all of the syllables in your last name. Enunciated, do you mean? Enunciated. Yeah, you said enunciated. Oh, did I? Yeah, like you were like, like it's it's pronouncing an announcement. <laughs> I meant enunciate. Yeah. <laughs> There's a level of irony, but pronouncing that word incorrectly. Pronouncing enunciate wrong. Yeah. Yeah. It's lost on me. Mm. How about you, Jeremy? How are you? Uh good. I'm good. I'm here. How is the hole in your tongue? Still really quite bad. Still mm. still really hurts. Um I just really wish it didn't happen. It's one of the things where, like, the moment you, uh, you, uh, what's it called? The moment you bite your tongue, you um, instantly wish that never had happened. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. instantly, that's like a fuck, I wish this didn't happen to me. Yeah. It's um, like, and it's that and stubbing your toe. I, I very rarely stub my toe. Like, I know, like, it's such a, like, it's such a big thing that people talk about as, a, as an intense pain. I, Cannot remember the last time I did it. Like I, I stubbed my. Was toe. it bad when you did? No. Oh. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I have you don't been, get it. I've been silently like nodding and agreeing with people who <laughs> complain about stubbing their toe, and in my just, mind like, going, "Sip your drink and hope no one talks to you about it." And in my mind going, "Like it's fine." Like I, I hit my elbows and my my hands way more often than I hit my toe. Okay. What about funny bone injuries? slash bumps yeah those suck but like i like and and i i i understand the the desire of 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 direct instant anger for for when those happen but like i bite my tongue maybe once a month oh that's too frequent and and frequent frequently the cause of that is blood the cause of it is blood. Oh, no, no, so, sorry, sorry. A, a, a the co- result? The result of it. It causes blood is, is what I'm saying. I, I frequently right, I bite part of my mouth until I bleed maybe once a month. Ugh. Yeah, for me right now, I'm getting, I'm getting like ulcers in my mouth. This is maybe too much. And, and I've heard that could be a, a factor based on like your toothpaste. I need to look up the ingredients in my toothpaste to see right. if that's like making my mouth more prone to it. But my ulcers like stick around for like two weeks and get bad. <laughs> yeah, it, it's also a dehydration and a sleep thing as well, I have found. Could be a sleep thing. Definitely not a dehydration thing. I, I'm frequently emptying this one liter bottle into my body each mm. day. Uh, Sam in the chat is saying uh, like uh, that feeling of I wish that hadn't happened as soon as it happened when their car got hit a month and a half ago. That was yeah. the same feeling. Yeah, yeah. it's just, oh, fuck. Now this is a thing that is part of my life. And I, I definitely can't do anything about it now. And it's it's definitely happened. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, everyone, that's enough about mouth injuries and car crashes. We're going to talk about video games instead. Uh, it, you know, you never know what you're going to get at the start of one. I never know what we're going to get at the start of one of these, <laughs> at these podcasts. <laughs> Until we get to this part of the show where we do the intro. Uh, anyone, if you're not familiar with what you're listening to, this is the Minimap Cast. Uh, the Minimap Cast go, pardon me. The Minimap Cast goes live on all podcast platforms every Wednesday, with 24 hours of early access given to all of our wonderful patrons. More on that in a little bit. If you like what you're hearing, make sure you tell your friends and give the show a positive rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. It makes a huge difference, and it only takes a few seconds. Uh, if you'd like to get notified every time a new episode is released. 
released. Make sure to follow us on social media. We are at MiniMapAU. That is at MiniMapAU for the account name on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and also Twitch, where we are live every Monday night, 6.30 p.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Time for the live recording of the Minimapcast. Uh, we always hang out with chat before and during and after uh, the live recordings, and we'd love to see you there. Also, you can go to our Discord uh, there's a link to that on the Minimapcast website. There's the Discord logo at the top and the very bottom of the page. You can go there. That also gives you a notification every time we go live. Uh, we wanted to say thank you to Shook for letting us use the Moog Model D Improv as the music for the Minimapcast. You can listen to more of Shook's music at shook.bandcamp.com. And finally, Minimap is completely independent and funded almost entirely out of our own pockets. To help keep the mics and lights on, you can support us by becoming one of our patrons over there. Uh, for only $5 a month, you get 24 hours early access for all episodes of the Minimapcast. Uh, some extra videos, like we're going to react to some old E3 conferences at some point soon. Those will go up there. Uh, you can find all of that on patreon.com slash minimapau to help us out. And remember, it's cheaper than a latte with oat milk. Oh, it's, it's, I'm just going to quickly... It, it, it got rewritten, and, and I haven't rewritten. I've been doing it off the top of the head, and it, it tripped me up just then. Hang on. <laughs> Cheaper than, than a latte with oat milk. There you go. You're not going to trip me up anymore. Editing on the fly. <laughs> so. So. We've, we've been playing Zelda and Metroid and Hitman between us. We we're going to be talking about all of those in the second half of the show. We're now what we've been playing section. But first, it's time for this week's topic of the show, which is... Should we just emulate everything? Question mark? It's, uh, I can answer this. <laughs> uh, great. Well, that's what we're here for. Yeah. Yes. Great, everyone. Thank you so yeah. much. We're on to the next segment of the show after the... <laughs> no, we're not going to break. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a bit of a nebulous topic, but it's something that I've been thinking of a bit recently with uh, when I hacked my 3DS... Uh, and with the bunches of re-releases that were announced for uh, Nintendo games, um, rather at that last Nintendo Direct that we went over last week, uh, like Metroid Prime Remastered and uh, Advance Wars 1 Plus 2, there were so many remakes. Um, it's just kind of been percolating in the back of my mind. So I've got a few subtopics here, as we normally do for our topics. Um, the first question was going to be about, like, why is emulation legal? But uh, Jeremy has the answer and wants it to be baked into the question. He 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 knew the answer. Capitalism. So this is capitalism. So the the prompt we have here is capitalism is the reason why emulation is a gray area slash illegal. And like you're right because emulating ROMs that you didn't pay for is the same as stealing. Not quite. In in the eyes of the company, uh, the actual act of emulating them is not the illegal part. No, 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 that's right. But the, the getting illegal, the ROMs... The illegal part is the procurement of a ROM that you have not obtained and paid for legally. And that and is for the those illegal who aren't part. aware, a ROM is when you're emulating something on your computer, you get a piece of software that emulates a particular piece of hardware. So you get like an N64 emulator. And then the ROM, which stands for read-only memory, but it basically means it's the... It's the file that has the game on it. It's the game. So when you're emulating something, the ROMs are your games. Yes, yes. Um, emulating a ROM that you have 
like there are many ways to dump a ROM from a cartridge you own onto a computer or a mm-hmm. or a console that that is yours to own uh, is a completely legal process. Yeah, um, and running it through an emulator is also fine. Exactly, nothing wrong with that. Yeah, it it might break certain terms of service, but that is not a legally binding agreement. That is a that is a uh, like if you want to use this, you might not be able to play online or something like that, right? There are yeah. there there are that is that is not a legal thing. That is like ah oh, well, you know, you can't do certain certain features may not be available to you upon upon thing. Um, but uh, the companies don't like that. Uh, the 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 big wigs, the elite, um, they don't they don't like that because. What that does is gives you freedom over the over the thing that you own, um, and that can well, sometimes. Yes. It's also that each can, person who's emulating their game is a person who hasn't paid for it, right? Um, maybe who knows? Who could say? The thing is, this uh, that will get in the way of them being able to sell it to you all over again for a much higher price. That's true, That's right? The like only they're, they're not just thinking about care. the first purchase, but also, yeah, if they want to yeah. give you bre- like Ocarina of Time on the Nintendo Switch Online expansion pack, yeah. or if they want to sell you a pack of of Mario games that haven't been touched in forever um, onto a cartridge that has got a, a a time limit before you can buy it, otherwise Miyamoto will come and <laughs> smash them all with the the novelty hammer from from Smash Brothers. Um, uh, they 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 don't they, they don't like the idea that you can play in uh, Mario sixty four, um, not on the cartridge that they are selling to you once again without mm. changing it. Mm. So yeah, it's um, it's interesting. And on the one hand, like I get it. If we were a business, and I mean technically we are, but like you know what I mean. If we were making video games and we put them out there, and then we found out we found our game on Pirate Bay or whatever. I'd be pretty pissed because we we need that game to make money for us to continue to make games. Because sure. that's the world we live in. Yeah, and, and I remember when um when The Witness came out, I was uh we just started at AIE or it came out the previous year or that that February or something. Um, Jonathan Blow's next big game, and <laughs> I remember a friend of mine from primary school was like, "Oh, I uh." I reckon you'd really like this game. I was like, oh yeah, I heard about it. Where'd you get it? Like, what, what, like, did you get it on sale or something? And he's like, oh no, I just grabbed it off Pirate Bay. I was like, man, you're telling me who just started going to like dev school that you just ripped off this independent creator who, and then there were all these articles about how there were like a million, two million people that who, who emulated the, uh, not emulated, who pirated the witness, um, like right after its release. And it was like, oh man, I'm not, I'm not doing that. <laughs> That's so scummy. And like, yeah, like, and I think, look, if there is like, th- there are arguments to be made that the people that pirate a game were never going to buy it to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, and and like, like, we're not we're not super getting into the piracy aspect of it. We're more getting into the actual act of emulation, uh, the 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 legality behind the actual emulation, regardless of where you get your your ROMs from, um, totally. ROMs from, um, uh. But, but like, yeah, yeah, like what emulation means to the games industry, which is over and over and over again, pouring sand over the games that just released because it is harder and harder for you to go back and, and play those old ones. So, mm-hmm. uh, what was the, so the, 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 what was the first topic, Karen? 
Capitalism is the reason why emulation is illegal slash a gray area. Yeah. Um, look, I think, you know, like the other part of that is like it is they don't want to have to support the legs of their console, right? They don't want to have to, you know, the Switch is not backwards compatible at all. It is it is the most insular console Nintendo have, have released. That's um, true. A lot of their previous things have been... Uh, previous consoles have been backwards compatible over the last decades, yeah. but this one definitely wasn't. Um, and and that's partly because um, they uh, the like the actual console itself doesn't have a disc drive. Um, yeah, you know, like that's that's just they they can't hold that. But you know, there are things that they don't do, like support previously bought games. You know, digital games. Totally, they have never once wanted to bring those purchases forward which is bad, which leads people to say, well, fuck it, I'm just going to emulate it because I already bought this once and I don't want to have to set up my Wii. Let me play the game that I bought and they don't have interest in that. Yeah, totally. It's, um, and yeah, like I think when you, when you think about it in the, in the sense of like, pardon me, like a single game, like emulating a single, like a, a game as it comes out or like within the game's like first release, like, you know that's a blow to their 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 bottom line or whatever. But you're right. It, the 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 them being able to offer it to you again as which Nintendo is the prime example of this, where you know they had the first virtual console on the Nintendo Wii. You could buy N64 and Neo Geo games and NES and SNES games, all kinds of stuff. And then the Wii U came out, and you could buy them all there. But it was the same account, but. The, the apps didn't transfer across and then you could buy them all again on the 3DS and for Switch, they're, they're offering them to you as a subscription service and so they've definitely stung people four or five times on, on those classic games for the people who are diehard, you know, Super Mario World fans and they just yeah. want to play it on the new thing that they've got because they're Nintendo fans. Like, they, it's a, it is a way to get more out of your fan base. Um, and that, it, it feels icky. It feels yeah, it gross. Sucks. It's not yeah. good. It, and it makes you feel like you don't want to support them further on, but but they're so good at weaponizing their nostalgia that it makes you, you know, feel like that this is now the right way to play this. You know, this is this is the legal way. This is the correct way to now play this game, which is to buy it again, um, totally. which is a, a really strong weapon against emulation because... They 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 put it together in a package that is easier to the easier to access than ever. You know, a subscription service is just you hit the download button, you've already paid for the month, the game is available to you. But also, it being on the actual console is sometimes quite appealing as well. Yeah. It literally being on the Switch is great because it gives you the like if you've already got a Switch, then you can just hey, you can pick it up and you can play it in bed and you get all the features of being able to do that with the Switch. So you get the portability, you get the docked mode, it can go on your TV, all, all that stuff. Yeah, if you bought it on the Wii, on the on the virtual console, you want to get out your Wii. Your Wii doesn't have HDMI support, so you've got to find the fucking composite or the component cable and plug that in. And, you know, it, it's... Totally. Th there are steps that I understand the, the ease of access that bringing it to new consoles have. But the thing about emulating is... <laughs> If you got a dedicated emulation machine, a right. lot of those problems can go away. Yeah, with like a lot of initial setup. Yeah, like can... it, it it takes a time and truthfully, it is always a hassle. It is never super easy. It is never you you run an XE and it works, right? Because if you ran an XE and it worked, 
there's a good chance part of that is going to be illegal. Whether or not that is the the, the dumping of the BIOS um, of someone else's has got legal uh, gray area around it. Um, specific cores on different consoles, patch, packaging up, packaging it up together to make it very easy for you to play uh, games that may have come from a less than legal source. Um, those packages are much easier to be uh, brought down by the larger companies. Nintendo yep. being a big one that likes to shut everything down that is not controlled oh, by them. Yeah, even and even like fan remakes and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, e- even stuff that's completely end. unrelated to to their own bottom line, right? Um, yeah. Uh, but once you get all that stuff working, that the, there's a whole world out there for you. Sometimes. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, our, our second sort of thing touching on uh, sort of the legalities of, of emulation and, uh, and stuff like that is sort of discussing uh, games preservation. Um, so that the prompt here is, it's, it's not a question, but it says, while potentially illegal, community emulation and ROM cataloging are the biggest slash best preservation efforts that we have in the industry. And that's important because preservation is something that is becoming increasingly uh, important as games move to entirely digital uh, sales and distribution. Yeah. For example, it was announced this week that Redfall in retail stores will have a game case. It'll be on the shop floors, but it's only coming with uh, download codes in the slip. And Xbox have been doing stuff like this for a little bit with some games. I think Halo was similar. I might be wrong about that, but um, there's basically no disc version of Redfall available. Yep. There's just a code in the case version or you, you buy the game online, which is just a code. You just don't see the code. Yeah, and I think I think the thing about Redfall, I think is a, is, a, is a case that maybe is being blown up a little bit too more. Not that I'm defending what I'm about to say next, but Redfall, you can't actually play offline. There is no offline mode for Redfall. You have to be connected 100% of the time. Um, therefore, even a disc version of the game, unless you take that and then backwards engineer um, it to allow you to play it without online connectivity, you can't... Yeah, like create your own servers or like spoof the game or whatever. Yeah. The downside of that is that when the servers go down, that game no longer exists, right? That means it, that game is over. Yeah, like that That game is... is It is much, much harder to preserve those games. Um, yeah. A lot of those... Uh, use cases and is not specifically the stuff we're talking about when we're talking about preservation via emulation because we are more talking about older games um, games that uh, might be on hardware that is harder to come by um, or at least is uh, locked behind maybe it wasn't uh, distributed very very much on its initial release it might have had like a a Japanese only release or a limited English release like there are plenty of use cases for this but the idea that um, sometimes you have to break the rules a little bit for the greater good Um, and game preservation is a greater good because the games industry is very bad at it um Another recent example yeah. was all the exclusive Stadia games that, that, that were announced. And then Stadia has since shut down and all of those games that haven't come across, which I don't think there's many left anymore because I know that a lot of the Stadia exclusives have since actually come out of exclusivity. Um, yeah, but some of them weren't able to. Yeah, some of them weren't able to. 
they are just gone. There was never a download version on any computer because they were all streamed. Unless someone walked out with the hard drive, which I'm sure so, I'm sure someone's got it on a hard drive somewhere. Yeah, but then they need then they need dev time it and is, money and it, it is not as easy as just like throwing it somewhere, right? Like yeah. you need to you need to put that together. Yeah. Um the the like game museums and and different websites that that treat games as a, as a as an art form to be preserved um is one of the strongest cases for emulation because if they didn't then they would have to have hardware right and a lot of these games are owned by companies that went defunct and they don't like the the ownership of some of these IPs pretty gray which means no one can sell it and so yeah. the only way to play these games is to emulate it yeah, totally. You also run into issues of like, you know, uh, original NES and SNES cartridges, they have batteries in them. And those batteries are dying. Yeah, yeah. And so the, the, the literal hardware that was used to run those uh, games and that software is decaying over time. It's not going to last. It's not going to be around and after a certain amount of time. And the movie industry and the music industry and the television industry, they've all gone through this. They know how bad it is. They understand, yeah. like they go through like giant lengths to preserve this now, you know, going back through and getting old uh, VCR tapes of TV shows and digitizing them, right? You know, trans, uh, film transferal, music transferal, finding original masters of certain songs and stuff. Um, we've seen industries over and over again fail or not quite realize or be naive whether intentional or not to to some of this stuff and mm. then have to spend an arm and a leg to go through it and do it way later properly the games industry isn't doing that and it it, it breaks my brain <laughs> yeah. it's so it's so important we know this yeah it's funny and it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't really seem to be a good way to do it in some regards, but it also, it, there doesn't, there doesn't really seem to be a downside to putting in more proactive efforts for it either. Like, and, and it's a hard thing with, with, uh, I mean, I think you've seen this in the other industries as well, where it's like, there's not one body where you can go and find every TV show that was ever released ever. Oh, no. Like it's not profitable to do that. So there's no group that does it unless they're, they're a charity group. And then they rely on donations and and uh, charitable funding and stuff like that. They can't... Could, could, like, could you, It would be so easy if there was a single body, a single group, a single organization that, and that there was a mandate or something on like the PlayStation, Steam, Xbox, and Switch stores, which said, when you release a game on our, on our services, you have to submit one code to go to the official body for the preservation and uh, restoration of games, consoles, and media group, whatever, right? You And you send them a code, and they download it, or, and not even a code, like a build or something, something they can have on file to put on a system. Like, they have to give that to that person. If that could be... if I don't know, that sounds scary to say. Like, oh, yeah, it's fine. What If you release a game on our system, that's fine. All you have to do is give us your source code and give it to some random other group of people. Like, that seems like a lot. Well, like, I, I'm 90% sure Nintendo have an internal library of stuff because I remember, like, like, there was a thing where we saw, 
their builds that were being made when they were making the switch of like you know test builds and stuff like like uh, they're a company that I, that I, that I would not be surprised if they kept absolutely everything right um mm-hmm. but uh, but an adjacent um example is the li- library of congress for example um if you get asked to like you know, like a library of congress for those who don't know is a library in america that for great american works of art or of any kind um if you get asked to put a thing in there, then you give them a copy of your product, whether that's like poetry or a movie or a song or a game. Um, they ask for a copy of it. Um, uh, famously, they asked for a copy of the original Star Wars that won a bunch of Academy Awards for uh, its music and, and uh, audio design. Um, and, and visual design. And George Lucas um, uh, famously gave him the copy of his updated version of the film um, uh. and they did not accept it, and so it did not enter the Library of Congress because he didn't want to give them the original, the original version of the film. He wanted right. to give them his his own, like, no, this is the one that I made better, and they're like, this is not better. This, this is not the one that we want. This, this is, is not, not the one that won awards. This is not the cultural significant version of Star Wars that we want in our Library of Congress, George Lucas, and I don't, I don't yeah. know if it ever made it in. Um, That's but, very funny. I know, right? Um, but, like, you know, like, a... a a preservation copy of certain things, like it's not as easy as just exporting a build because yeah, if, if it's a game that has got network reliant services, you can't exactly do that. Yeah, um, totally. And so maybe we shouldn't have those games as much or at least some games shouldn't require that, you know? I don't, I don't know about we shouldn't have those games as much. Like, like in terms of like games that have an online only requirement, I think is onerous and like needlessly arbitrary. I think games could be designed around that more. Yeah, th- th- like, that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying I'm not saying no game should have an online only requirement. No but, more Destiny. But but, but I'm no saying, more Redfall. But but like but like Destiny is a really great example because the campaign of Destiny 2 is no longer playable. The original campaign of Destiny 2 is, it is, it is gone. You cannot play it. You have a copy no, of that. Not even, your, not even with a disc copy, not even which, with they, a disc which copy. you can't buy anymore because the game went free to play. Yeah. Like if you have a copy of that game on disc, like I do, and it has the red, the red war campaign on it, you cannot access that, that copy of that game. Yeah. Um, you know, when when they brought out WoW Classic, right? That was a big like, hey, here's the original World of Warcraft experience that you loved and grew up with, and they still sold that. Yeah, Destiny could come around and sell you the content again that you have bought. Yeah, that would be very upsetting. It would be considering they took it away. Yeah. Um. Yeah, you're right. I think Bungie does a lot to maintain their... I'm just going along this this thought experiment for a second. Sure, like, I yeah, think yeah. Bungie does a lot to maintain their... Um, goodwill. Uh, yeah, their, their, their goodwill with, their, with their, their audience. They know that their user base is... Um, it's in, it's it's integral to the to the continued success of their brand and their and their IP. And I think, like truthfully, it has been somewhat in flux over the past three years, um, or seven, or eight, or nine. Sure, sure. yeah, totally. Um, yeah, like I, I I don't think that Destiny is going to start coming out and say like, all right, fifty bucks if you want to play the Red War again. But yeah, because like they didn't charge for Vault of Glass, for example. Sure, that came out and that was part of their free content offering. Uh... I'm pretty sure, like, 
I didn't I didn't buy the thing and it was just a part of the, that season update. You had to be at level, so you had to be you had to have been playing, but I'm pretty sure that was just available for free. Right, okay. Same with King's Fall, I think. Right. What's the next part of the topic? Uh and so our third prompt is are we entitled to emulating older slash inaccessible games? A, a lot of what's prompted this for me was Metroid Prime Remastered, right? And, you know, when you talk about, oh, there's something appealing about the ease of access and, the, and it being, like, the official way to do it. I've had a way to play Metroid Prime in my head for a little bit. I've got a functioning Wii. I've got a, a projector that I could set it up with. I have a friend who said, hey, you could borrow my copy of the Metroid Prime trilogy for Wii whenever you want. And I was like, oh, yeah, I totally want to do that. I'll let you know when I want to do that. And I never enacted those three things to make that happen because I didn't want to use my Wii. I don't see my friend that often. I didn't think about organizing it that hard to the point where I actually did. Like, for literal years and years, I've been thinking about that. Mm. Metroid Prime Remastered came out at 60 bucks on the Nintendo Switch eShop, and I got it on, like, that, like that day. Like, and I've had the best time we'll get into it later like i am so far down the metroid prime rabbit hole right now because i loved it i absolutely loved my time with it and i wouldn't have had that if they didn't release it on the switch in the way they did and to be fair as well it's also an excellent remaster so when we look at older games that don't get that treatment say if shadow of the colossus never got a blue point remake or a, a yeah, and, and never got never came as like a PS2 classic to PS4, right? Which it hasn't, but, you know, it got a PS4 update, so that's kind of how they got around that. Like, let's say it was only available on PS2 or the PS3 HD collection. Both systems that are very difficult to, A, uh, run on a modern console without, like, you know, older inputs and stuff like that, or B, like, pirate. So... If you, if you want it on a modern modern TV console setup, yep. what, all of that. Yeah. Because that game is of such huge cultural significance to our industry, you know, that was one of those genre-defining games where you started seeing people come around to the idea of, of boss battle-only combat games and... And those more somber and open-ended experiences where there's not as much to do and you, you get a bit more of the story through the, the gaps in what you're told rather than what you're literally told. It is so culturally significant. Are we as gamers, enthusiasts, people who are switched in and locked into the industry and who want to have a working understanding of what is important, are we entitled to be able to emulate these games in order to experience them to recognize their importance, to experience that for ourselves and to uh, come in with an educated understanding of where the industry has come from. Yes. I would say no, but I want to say yes. I would say yes only because I think that overall the importance of it it is it is it is what, what, what was the word you described this could you mind reading the prompt again because there's a, there's a key word i want to go into are we entitled to entitled. emulating older 
slash inaccessible games. I I I want to I want to pick on the word entitled, and it's, I'm not I'm not picking on you for writing the word entitled. No, no, no. I know. Yeah, I, yeah. I chose it for a reason. Yeah. Like there's a there is a feeling there of like, oh well, there's no other way to play this, and it's it's meant to be so good. I'll just try and emulate it. I, I, I need to experience this. My 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 take on this is that I I don't think that you are entitled to. Uh, explicitly go back and play those games, but I think that there is almost, and this is this is going to sound more intense. Uh, you, there is an obligation. <laughs> there is a there is a moral obligation to moral the obligation. Yes, yes, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna back this up. There is a moral obligation to consuming uh, important and critiquing influential. Uh, pieces of art <laughs> in order for the medium as a whole, the conversations around those mediums and the the development of that medium to progress. Um, and I think okay. that the, every, every time it becomes harder to play a cornerstone uh, piece of art in a medium, the entire industry medium everything suffers for it mm -hmm. that i think that anyone that wants to get into <laughs> critique or development or design or understanding or hobby interest vague interest passing interest uh there is a level of like i should play this no matter what right like, like it's like, like Watching the original Star Wars, or people saying when if you're if you're doing an English class, you need to watch uh, Citizen Kane, yeah, or if you're serious, rather if you're serious about movies, you need to watch Citizen Kane. Yeah, like uh, if you're serious about English, reading Shakespeare, right? Like it is a, yep. it, there is a level of like you, the, the what you will get out of this yep. will bring you and everybody forward. You know the apart from companies like the only person yeah. that doesn't benefit from this is the only the only thing not person they are not pe not people the only party that does not benefit from this is a is a company um yeah. to which i say i don't care um and and that's not to say that i think that people shouldn't get paid for their work i think they should um but like, but like, you know, they've been paid, right? Like Ueda, I don't know what kind of royalty checks he'll get on Ico, right? Like, just yeah, like there is like what kind of what kind of ownership does Ueda have on a game like Ico, which is only playable via a PlayStation Five emulated version of a PlayStation Three, Three remake remaster. of a PlayStation Two game. That is, seems like a really easy way for the company that owned that product, being Sony, to take 100% of that, yeah. right? Um, a great example with Metroid, right? We talk about how, how much of a better version of this is to play now because of all of the work that has been, been done to it. It's also worth mentioning with Metroid that the entire original credits inside of the original version of Metroid is now gone from the new version. No one yeah. who worked on the original version of Metroid Prime... Um, or is, on the Wii remaster. Or on the which Wii... This, which this uh, game's version is based on heavily as well. Right. Um, no one who worked on any previous version of Metroid Prime is credited in the, this current remaster. 
Unless um, they were a part of the team. Unless they were a part of the team, which that is a complete crapshoot. Um, yes. You know, there is a there is a moral obligation to <laughs> to continually going back and trying to find new understandings in these old pieces of art because if you don't, they just get lost. You hear that, everyone? You're a bad person if you don't play Ico. It is always morally okay to pirate Nintendo games. <laughs> <laughs> Moral obligation is so, so strong. Because yeah. that's, what, that's what morality is, right? It's good and bad. It is it's the, the right thing to do. It's justice. It's... it's it, it, etc. I, I can't think of any more words, but you, I think you, I got it's, the point it's, across. It's, it's principles, right? It is, it is a, it is a, a, a it is a, a like codes to live by and, yeah, and, and exactly. do things by and the decisions that you do are influenced by these morals. Yeah. And it's funny, right? Because like, you know, I'm, I went to some, I went on a family trip once to Canberra and we went to some, some fancy gallery place there or a museum or something. And there was a, there was a Jackson Pollock painting there. I think it was blue poles. And my mom like looked at it. She'd seen it before. And she was like, there's something about this painting that it like really speaks to me. And I don't know what it is. You know, it's a Jackson Pollock. So it's all of that, like sort of dribbling lines all over that kind of technique he had. Um, And it's huge. It's like the, it's like the size of this wall that I'm doing this podcast looking at behind my computer. Right. Isn't the, just to, just to jump in very quickly. Isn't it wonderful paintings, how you never have any idea how big they are. (laughs) Isn't that kind of amazing? What, 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 what? Like like in terms of, if you look at a picture of a painting on your phone, you have no clue the size of that painting. Right. The Mona Lisa is fucking tiny. The Mona yeah, Lisa yeah, yeah. is minuscule, and these Jackson Pollock paintings are fucking huge. Yeah, you could make a house out of them. Yeah, right. Like that's yeah. so that's so fascinating to me. Sorry, continue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so Mum's like, "Oh yeah, something about this one." And for someone to have that experience for this this piece of art that someone did in their garage, like, and then you know someone bought it and now it's part of now it tours different museums and goes to all these different pieces of the world parts of the world for people to experience and it's accessible in that way like that is quite wonderful and it's great that we as human beings as a society have have methods for us to do that now i think the 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 sort of people who own the art like the literal piece of art and then they they like loan it for like seven figures to a museum yeah, and it's, it's all the museum a- pays that because it's worth that because it's the art and yeah, whatever it, like that gets all gets a bit yeah, like the 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 art funding, um, the, the, what is it? The art funding money laundering uh, yeah. pipeline is is very real and and very easy to find. Yeah, totally. But like, it does lead itself to someone being able to see a Jackson Pollock painting in Canberra, like in the year two thousand, like decades after he died. Yeah. And, and have a meaningful response to it because of how impressive a piece of art it is and how culturally significant it is. We don't have that in games. We, we, we have a few small groups who are trying to... Who are, who are working on principles that work towards something like that. But again, uh, individually funded, charitable organizations and stuff like that, relying on donations. 
Like, it's, I, like, like, there are a couple of real institutes that also do that, right? Like, Acme is a really great place for finding games, new and old. Um, uh, like, in in a lot of, I'll, I'll, there's a, there has been a push recently that Acme has done to go back and find old Australian games that were important to the Australian development scene from like like games I'd never even heard of. Um, right. Like I I think like uh, Ginny Maxwell over at Acme has done a really good job at doing that. And like just the other day, I was I was in Sydney and I I, I had a, a spare day, so I I went to the Powerhouse Museum. Um, and they had uh, as a part of their uh. Uh, queer pride um, uh, exhibit. They had um, a queer man peering into a rock pool. JPEG, um, like right. which was like that's a game that came out last year. Um, set up there for all to play, um, which was which was really cool. Um, so that like they do exist, but it is, you know like Acme is kind of a special thing, right? Like I don't think there's any games at the Melbourne Museum, for example. Um, yeah, exactly, and like. I'm sure what Acme has, like, they do have to focus in on Australian-made games. I mean, they're they're the Australian centre for the moving image. That makes sense. Yes. But, like, I, I, I feel that most of these organisations are somewhat limited as, um, like, sort of national uh, efforts, I guess. You know, I, I doubt there are that many places in the US that have as much steam as they do like the, the successful ones or the, the, the ones that are going ahead. I doubt they're cataloging all of the Famicom games or, or Japanese-only releases and stuff like that because that would be bloody hard and really expensive. But is there an equivalent place in Japan that's doing that work? I don't know. And it's not up to them to make it happen because they're doing their own thing in the States. They can only do what they can. So, yeah, I don't know. It's funny. Are we entitled to emulating older slash inaccessible games? I think, I think literally the answer is no. And, and definitely capitalistically. But it definitely feels like, as someone who is a part of the industry, that they're at some point when, as you said, like the money's not making its way back to the, to the creators, to the developers, only to the, to the company holders and the IP holders, which is not irrelevant, but still. And even if that money is going there, they're not making new copies. So they're not actually making any money. Like, if I went and found a copy of the Ico Shadow of the Colossus HD collection on PS3 today, it's not a, a brand new printed copy. That's not, the money's not making its way back to the, the person who manufactured the disc and the plastic cases and, and then also to Sony's distrib- distribution team and all of that. And, and like, you know, and Sony are out here going to shut down the, the purchasing of, of those games eventually soon, right? Like, you know... Uh, yeah, like the online store purchases on there. Yeah, yeah, soon there is going to be zero way to purchase that game. Yeah. Very soon. Um, legally. Yes. Well, like, no, I mean, like, you know, like there are ways you can legally purchase a game, just you can't purchase it brand new. Um, and so yes. it's like, it's, there is no, there is no way to, to pay for that game that anyone that is involved in it, um, gets any monetary value out of it. Um, unless mm. you go and meet Ueda and buy his pre-owned copy of Ico. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and so know. then I guess that's where the, the idea of, uh, uh, public domain comes in a bit, I guess. And you see that with, with music and movies, you know, a uh, uh, a, a media, a piece of media reaches a certain age and it goes to the public domain, like Winnie the Pooh and Beethoven and like 
I don't know, all that stuff. Yeah, like Felix the Cat and a lot of the, you know, like you, you know when something has entered public domain when insurance ads start to use your cartoons in their commercials. Um, yeah, insur- if you're still alive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because because at that point, like it, like they will they they will do everything on the cheap, and so they will just um, just pick public domain stuff, right? Like that is it is free for them to do. So the 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 reality with our industry is, I don't think there's literally any game that's old enough, any video game that's old enough to be a part of the public domain. What is it like seventy years or something before something enters public domain? It changes a lot, and Disney keep lobbying to get it like increased every time, and they they always get it right. You know, like the, right. like there is like a I'm pretty sure there's a Mickey Mouse clause. Um, yeah, because they want it. They if if Steamboat's Willie's on a thing, they want money or a credit or to refuse right of use. And I want to say, like a couple of years ago, they 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 lobbied the government to introduce a bill to make it better for them, but accidentally then fucked themselves in a in a <laughs> hilarious way, which is why they lost Winnie the Pooh. Um, right, right. Because okay. we like, should look at that during the break. Yeah, because because Winnie the Pooh is like their version of Winnie the Pooh is still owned by Disney. The 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 Disney version of Winnie the Pooh. But yeah. the original stories, not the whole property. Yeah, but the original stories from Christopher Robin, I think, is a thing that they that 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 got lost or something. It was like there was a specific thing that they fucked themselves by mistake, which was hilarious. Um, yeah. But like you know, there's there's yeah, like public domain. It takes a while. Um, you know, Tetris is still owned by, like now it is owned by an association or something which at least the money goes back to the original people that owned tetris Mm. um but that was also after years of that not happening um that was like that's a recent development at like over the past like five years or so that that this tetris corporation has existed um so it's like you know you see how young the medium is when you realize it ha- nothing is old enough to enter any public domain. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Can't wait for asteroids to to make public domain. Yeah, 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 yeah <laughs> like, right. And you imagine in thirty years, people see the first like, oh, the very first video game is entered public domain, and you see the articles, and it's and it's like the stuff that was made on the oscilloscope in the yeah. in like the NASA headquarters that they made in their spare time is like, oh, this thing. Yeah, so suddenly, um, you know, Netflix is out here making their own version of Pong, uh, Pong, uh, Zork, while um, <laughs> while you know Amazon is like, oh, well, we're gonna make you know Zork as well, and they, we've yep. got competing Zorks coming out in different did, TV shows. How did Activision get Zork in Black Ops? You know how there was that Zork Easter egg? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did um, they just license it? Zork was purchased by Activision back in the 80s. Right, okay. Yeah, it's a, it's just a They've le- just been around for that long. They just have it. It's yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a legacy owned thing. Although according to inputmag.com, Microsoft now owns Zork, which is interesting. Microsoft. Yeah, I think. Oh, because they're because Microsoft's bought Activision Blizzard King, but they oh, haven't done that yet. Of course, right? Okay, yeah, right. I forgot about that tiny little detail, that little thing that's happening. <laughs> it hasn't happened yet. Yeah. Um, who owns Pong? Pong ownership. Uh, Atari. Oh, fucking who knows? But who owns? Yeah, I suppose probably. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It is. Yes. I'm really um. That's that was just like a little trivia, like 
yeah. dopamine. It's like, yeah, you knew that. Good work. <laughs> you retained information. Pong is at the Smithsonian Institute in Washington, D.C. due to its culture and plaque. That is good. Right. But that will have had to have been some agreement with the current owners of the property. I suppose. We do have one final prompt here, but I'm pretty sure we've answered this already. The, the prompt is, is it amoral to emulate? No. Yeah, I mean, to emulate, no. Yeah, emulating, to, no, not at all. And I would, I would argue that to, 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 get, to find a ROM of a game that is quite inaccessible and no longer actively released, that's not harming anyone. Like, you're not actually taking money out of anyone's pocket by doing that. It's, if you look at laws and you look at how it actually goes, in a court of law, you wouldn't have a leg to stand on. But I don't think it's a bad thing to do. No, and especially if you're doing it just to further, you know, it's not like you're out here. There is no emulating um, PlayStation 5. There is no emulating, uh, yeah. you know, like you can emulate this. You can't even emulate the Switch very well. Um, yeah. Emulating is about going back and running an older piece of hardware that is um, much more inaccessible than it used to be. Yeah. Um, much less accessible is probably a better way to say that. And so the, the, it, it is about creating an environment that you can play an old version of a game that you might not be able to play otherwise. And if you're not playing it otherwise, everyone loses. Yeah. Um, the, the best case scenario is you emulate this and then you can play it. Like, you should do the best case scenario. I want you well, to emulate. Yeah, but what's, what's the best case scenario to everybody, Jeremy? What about what I about Nintendo? I don't care about everybody. I don't care about Nintendo. <laughs> uh, Sam says in the chat, if you emulate it to experience it when it's not accessible, you're only increasing its social value, increasing its cultural capital. Yeah. Right. There is, there, is, there is value in art, and I don't necessarily even mean monetary value. No. Yeah, like cult, yeah. cultural capital, as Sam says, is an important thing. Definitely. Um, you know, I didn't play the HD remake of Silent Hill because it's worse than the original game. Because they made critical mistakes when mm. making that HD collection. So the way I could play that game without spending $300 on a original copy of Silent Hill for the PlayStation 1 was to get a copy of that game via an internet website and emulate it. Mm. That was it. Actually, it didn't even emulate. We just put it on a hardware. But like it like it's the same it's the same it's the same thing, right? It is a it is the otherwise I wouldn't have played Silent Hill. Yep. And maybe maybe we wouldn't have got another one if this game wasn't so important to people to, to continue to emulate. If, if there was no way to emulate Silent Hill for the past 20 years, mm. we would not be Would it have this still game. been culturally relevant? Not yeah. 100% not at all. I think that's a really good point. Because, like, yeah, I don't remember the last Silent Hill release. I guess it was P.T., yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, it was PT, and before that, it was the one on the Wii, I guess. Yeah, and the and the PS3 remake, which was bad. 
That right. one wasn't going to make any sequels come after it. Whereas something like, um, well, this is a bad example, Metal Gear Solid, which I hadn't played when I was younger because it was a bit more mature, I still at least had heard of. I still knew it was around. Even though they came out with a game once every five years, I still had heard of it. It was something that I knew. Yeah. Um, it's a bad example because it's it's been MIA for eight years, but like, oh, they put on that they put it on that PlayStation Classic. <laughs> yeah, then they got rid of it. Yeah, on the on the on the on the subscription. So it's not on PS Now anymore. Yeah. I meant the classic yeah. console, the little PS. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. Final thing I'll add, which isn't a prompt, Jeremy, but do you remember when back when we were growing up, when you could when you would go to get a console chipped, when you yeah. could get a you could chip a console. Yeah, you'd go to some guy you'd, in a, yeah. on a, but it was never on a main street. It was always in some back street in a suburb that was like fairly well off, but not like super well off and never easy to get to. And you'd go there and it would be, this is just, I'm just like a hobby shop. Yeah, but like, oh, for me, it was always, it was a shop that had about a, maybe four square meters to stand in and just a very wide desk. Right, and you would go there with your console, and there'd be someone sitting at the desk, and he'd take it, and then you'd get it back a couple of days later, and you'd go chip your console. That'll be two hundred bucks. I never, I never did it because it was too expensive and a bit weird. But it was the kind of thing where I knew you could go to places, and we'd go to like my brother's friend's house, and they, they'd open their Xbox and they'd scroll through this list of games, and I'd be like, "Oh, how did you do that?" They're like, "Oh yeah, we we chipped our console." I'm yeah. like, "Oh, you chipped it? What is it? Wow." <laughs> I, I, yeah, I never, I never chipped mine. What I did was I would go there to buy flashcards for my DS. Oh, uh, that makes sense. Um, and it was like, and I'd go there and I'd be like, can I play games on this now? And he would have to, he would have to say like, I can't tell you that. Like, he, like legally he's like, I can't tell you how to do that. And his nine year old you is looking at your flashcard. You're like, what? Yeah. And I'm like, 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 how do I put games on here? He's like, I like, you need to look, you need to find that out by yourself. I'm, I'm not able to, to tell you this. Yeah. Um, and then it was like, I just took it to my friend's dad and he's like, do you want all of them? I'm like, yes. He's like, okay. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, that's going to do it for this topic. Thanks for joining us. A, a nice little discussional thing. I don't really know where we, like, a bit of a meandering topic. I don't really feel like we 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 landed on the answer to the discussion, you know, but I think that's fine. Yeah, and look, I think, I think like, this, this was actually a topic that got bumped a couple times because things would come up and we wanted to talk about that because it was a bit more topical, like the Nintendo thing or the Xbox thing. Um, but it's... It's it's also it's like it's it's never directly topical, but it is always it is always it's an evergreen topic anyway. <laughs> well, yeah, definitely, and yeah. you know, made made relevant by random other things happening, yeah. like the different remasters that were announced last week. Yeah. Anyway, we're gonna throw it to a quick break, have a look at that uh, Disney clause that that they gave themselves, and when we're back, we'll be talking about what we were playing this week. We'll stick around. We'll be right back. Disney clause. Put your claws away, here. Welcome back to the Minimap Cast. We've been discussing the boreholes of drink bottles and the public domain. It's been a riotous break in chat. Um, <laughs> welcome to the second half of the Minimap Cast, everyone. Uh, we're going to be talking about what we've been playing. Um, and, and now I, I was going to say, you know how I like 
did that. I said kind of something similar at the start of the first half. It was like, oh, this is what we've been playing, but we'll we'll do that in the second half. First, we'll talk about this. I'm like doing it again now, or I'm going to be like, wait, we're going to talk about what we've been playing. But first, Jeremy went to an event this week. Yeah. um, MSI uh, kindly reached out to me and offered me... uh, off offered to to fly me out to Sydney um mm. and 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 help cover a good chunk of the trip um to check out uh the the product launch for their 40 series laptops um laptops yes. that have the 40 series uh of the Nvidia graphics cards um for those who don't know those are the newest graphics cards that Nvidia yes. have they are the most expensive the most powerful graphics card that Nvidia have, um, and these are, this is the this is the launch for the laptops series of GPUs. Yeah, right? yeah. The, the specifically, um, everything that they, they, everything they showed off to me while I was there was was all laptops. Um, uh, in Sydney, um, so I did that for a little bit, um, and that was pretty fun. And I'm, it's cool that I did that. It, well, it's cool that yeah. they 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 it's cool that they wanted me to do that, um, and it, it was a good fun time. Um, the the laptops there were they were very powerful laptops. Um, it, I thought it was like I thought it was interesting that they had they had sort of three main ranges. They had like their gaming range. They had their creators range. Um, right. So like a bit more powerful, a bit less gamery, and yeah, it was it was less about the GPU at that point, more about the CPU as well to make sure that your Adobe programs aren't going to crash on you or or hitch and all that stuff. Um, but they also had their like they had just like like a like a business range now, um, oh. which which is interesting. They they have like a, a range of laptops which are specifically for like everyday use in inside of like businesses. Um, and I, that's I've been, cool. Yeah, like and like, look, that makes sense, I guess, because I, yeah. I like I was I've been I've been putting together a little thing about it. Um, whenever I've had time recently, just about what what they've got going on, and I remember thinking when I was there, like, I wonder why they decided to make such powerful business laptops, mm. and then I thought about. Um, laptops that I have used at businesses and how oftentimes they just crumble under the basic weight of Chrome. Um, oh, man. Because they had to get the, the the scalable industry solution that was like X amount per 100 units of the... Yeah. yeah. And, you know, like that's a that's a valid cost-saving thing for companies to do because when you got to get like an entire fleet of laptops, you want one that you can get a good price on. That makes sense. Mm. Um but then it's like when you start looking at better laptops, they're all gaming or like heavy, heavy use laptops. And so I was like, oh, mm. you know what? It kind of makes sense to have like a like a middle, like not like a middle range, but like a high-end business case laptop. You don't need RGB all over it. It doesn't need to have hideous UI that makes it look like a racing car. You know, you don't yeah. need speed lines on a laptop that you're just going to like, you know, do some really intense video calls on. That do, does use a good chunk of CPU. Or the one where the like the WASD keys are replaced with arrows instead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Um, so like, I, like I looked at that, I was like, oh, that's a weird choice, and I thought about it more. I'm like, you know what? That kind of makes sense. I kind of, I kind of get that. I feel like that also speaks a bit to like the success of their laptop division over time as well. Like, because I feel like there aren't that many companies who do it for long enough. Like, there's there's Dell and there's like Lenovo, and they've been doing their business laptop end user yeah, boring they're thing think, they're think books exactly they've been doing that for so long uh, yeah and then you have asus and alienware which is dell but whatever 
and and MSI making their gamer stuff. And if MSI can keep their same brand and spread it across the different verticals, I think that's actually fairly impressive. Yeah, like what I realized this was, this was a competitor actually to a MacBook, which is right. which tends to be the 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 one you buy when you're in a business setting like this that mm-hmm. you know looks business appropriate. Um you know, you tend to just get a MacBook because it does everything you need and it isn't going to completely crumble under the weight of a Zoom call. Um, yeah, and it and it looks and feels good to use. And it lasts for fucking ever. So, like, yeah, so I saw that. And I'm like, you know what? It makes sense. Um, uh, they gave me a bunch of free stuff. Um, that was, that's funny. I'll, that, I reckon that's a post-show thing. We'll go through all the free goodies that I got given. So oh, yeah, if you- goodie bag. Jeremy's yeah, goodie bag. Yeah, so if you want to- Whip up a graphic. Yeah, yeah all right. Um, <laughs> on my MSI laptop that, I, that oh. I, 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 did, I didn't get one. I didn't win the competition that was there. Um, uh, but yeah, if you want to see that, go to the Patreon to check out the post-show. Um, the, the, the final thing I really want to talk about that was the thing that has sort of impressed me the most was that they, they, they've got this thing called a, a, a Matrix Light Bar, I believe is the actual name of it, which okay. is a... Did Keanu Reeves walk out and hand, give you all handshake? And you could not shut me up if that happened. Um, the, uh, it was a it it's a it's a light bar like like an RGB light bar that is inbuilt to the bottom of a lot of their laptops, but are like along the bottom, right? So like imagine imagine this is your laptop when it's closed. It's uh-huh. it, it's along this part of oh. it, and it is three big RGB LEDs tall and so fucking bright. Yeah. It was ridiculous. (laughs) And I looked at it, I'm like, this is so over the top and it looks so neat. Um, So what was it? Like a notification bar or something? No, no. Like a, like I'd like just lighting. It's just lighting. (laughs) It doesn't like it doesn't like do like you know what does RGB on a computer do like you know sometimes it can it can yeah, change like look under my desk yeah right like it can change depending on certain things right but like Fucking for the most nothing. part it's there just because that's the culture I guess um, yeah honestly so yeah they they put a giant fucking light bar at the bottom of their laptops and it's ridiculous on while it sleeps oh no I'm sure you can turn it off but like I'm and I'm, I'm sure you can like fuck with the settings to make it on and off depending on how you want and you can change change what colors it does and all that stuff i'm sure it's got its own like whatever msi software is um but yeah like i i kept on going back to that being like this thing is like this thing is imprinting on my retinas a little bit um, <laughs> yeah you look at it, you yeah. look around and like oh i see rainbows yeah um yeah aside from that like it was it was a fun event everyone was real nice thanks for flying me out msi Mm-hmm. Let me know. Let me know when you're doing that again. Look forward to your write-up. To hear it's your little. your 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 little write-up to hear your uh, your your thoughtful thoughts. Yeah. Look, it's like I'm not. I'm. I don't know a lot about hardware, like capital H W hardware. Um. But yeah. like, you know, I what I care the most about my products currently in my life is: do I have to think about it? Do I, is this a thing that I need to actively manage? Or You're a will, convenience user. At the moment, yeah. It's why I bought mm. an iPhone. And it's why I bought the new iPhone. Because I know I won't have to think about it as a phone that exists for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of these look like that, which is good. Nice. 
So yeah. Um, did you did you see any sick forty series demos? Did you see like I don't know if they've got like forty nineties or any forty eighties in them, but did you see some like ray tracing demos or anything? No, that they weren't doing they weren't doing official benchmarks there. Uh, okay, is what I will say. So you were you were getting more product overviews than than yeah, like it, it was it was a product launch. They were there also to talk to sellers as well. Like yeah. there was like it wasn't just journalists and and influencers. It was also yeah, like 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 business to business. Um. Uh. Yeah, there was no there there was no official benchmarking at the MSI event. Fair enough. Oh well, it would have been cool if you'd been if you could have come back and been like, "Oh, I got to see like uh, Portal RTX or whatever." But yeah, we'll talk later. Yeah. Uh, cool. So while I was there, though, in Sydney, I took my Switch on the plane. I played yeah, Zelda on so the ex- plane. <laughs> you sent me a message the day before you left, and you said, "Carrie, I get to take my Switch on the plane." And Breath of the Wild. And I was like, it's the 2017 dream. <laughs> it was. It was great. I took a it video so cool of it. You're so excited about it. I took a video of me on a plane. You took a video of it? Yeah. I took a video of me. Whoa, look, you're over the country. I'm over Canberra, probably. Probs. Um,. I said like a sick time lapse of of the plane taking off, which I thought was cool. So I'm just going to put that oh. up while I talk. Um, Were you? What, was it you who was talking about being a little um, nervous about plane take takes t- planes taking off and and landing? Yeah, yeah. Like the, it's 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 the it's the G force that that throws me off a little bit. Um, I am I am not one to to enjoy high speed. Um, <laughs> You're a low speed kind of guy. You're yeah. a you're a you're a you're a snail mover. Yeah. Oh, nice sunrise. That's my legs. <laughs> nice crotch. Yeah. Um. Uh. Yeah. The, the I I I took my switch on a plane and I played Breath of the Wild like like uh-huh. like the like our forefathers before us. Um, <laughs> uh, like like the previous generation did. Yeah. Um, no, I've been playing more Breath of the Wild. Um, I am now. I have now defeated all four of the Divine Beasts. Okay. I have entered Ganon's castle and fucked around for a fair bit in there. Um, so big, isn't it? it? It it is quite big. It's it's not. It is not. Um, it's not too big. I think is 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 the thing. Yeah. I'm not looking at it going like I can't conquer this, but I'm looking at this going like fuck. Like there's, there's a lot of guardians here. Um, I think what I really like about Ganon's castle is there's like five different entrances. And you could do one single entrance to get in, but it, if you take the time to explore and see all of them, they all have something interesting to show you as well. Yeah, right, right. Um, and that's yeah. I got I accidentally made it my way to the opening to where Ganon is, and I was like, oh, I'm not ready for this. And so like, oh, I went, to the to the top of the tower. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm assuming there's more inside, but like there was like that was where the light was on the map, and I'm like, I'm not I'm not doing this right now. Um, so I left, uh, and I'm starting yeah, to do like that's the end of the game. Yeah, like, yeah. Like I yeah. yeah, um, but yeah, like so I I was fucking around doing other stuff and doing side stuff and doing shrines because I want to get that master sword. Um, I forgot mm. how funny it is when you don't have enough health to get it because you your link just ragdolls onto the sword when he when he when he dies. Yeah. Um, because like the Deku tree is like okay, like you know I'll stop you right there. You're about to die, so I'm gonna tell you this now. If you try that again, you will die right now. 
Yeah. But I'm not going to stop you next time. And so I'm yeah. like, well, what does that look like? And so it's like, he's pulling out the sword. And for those who don't know, you, you, the, you pull out the sword slowly. And as you pull out the sword slowly, you lose health. And because mm. you need a, 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 a minimum number of maximum health to pull mm. the sword out. Mm. And so as you do that, your health drains. And if you don't have enough, uh, Link just dies on the spot. Um, and just like fall, like you know the expression "falling on your sword." Um, <laughs> he falls on his sword and just like collapses on the ground, and it just plays yeah. like the game over, like jingle. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's it's cool. There's a lot in that game. It's a big game. Finish the map. It's big, big game. Why? Game. How is your Breath of the Wild Renaissance? This is more beasts you've than you've ever done. This is the most time you've spent with it, right? Like, yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it's weird. All my original criticism still stands up in my mind. Like, I'm not okay. like, I, it, it, it's fascinating playing this game because, on some degree, I still don't like some of these changes. I still mm-hmm. don't like a lot of the a lot of the um. Uh, uh, open world things that, that are in open world games. Um, it's the same thing I think I have from Elden Ring, right? It's the, mm. it's, I love Bloodborne and Elden Ring is more open than that. And I don't like that as much. I still played a lot of Elden Ring. I didn't finish yep. it, but I still played a fucking lot of that game. Um, but some of it still just doesn't, not that it doesn't click with me. I just go like, ah, I don't, I'm not enjoying this as much. The moments of aimlessness, I think I just don't enjoy at all. Um, and the moments of potentiality, I am enjoying more. I am enjoying the, okay, what can I do? What is the thing that I can do right now? Mm-hmm. When I ask that question and I don't have an answer is when I go, hmm. But when I have a handful of things that I can do and I need to figure out the, the order in which I should do those, that's a lot more enjoyable. Um, but I am getting to that point of like, well, I can I decide exactly what I do at this point, because it yeah, is, totally, it is it is beat cannon, um, and like you've done the four other things, and yeah, totally. And I think there's also a there's a level of I want to be able to, not specifically see every single every single thing in the game, but I am I am I am stumbling upon things that are quite interesting that I could easily miss. Mm. And I want a little bit more signage of like, hey, you might want to check that out over there. And I know I know that, that they have that in terms of like, uh, you know, a side quest will get you go over to this area. And in, if, as you go through this area, you'll see this weird maze structure over there. And it's like, oh, well, I'll go check that out while I'm here. And like they, they, they do those fun breadcrumbs as you go. But I, I think I, I, I still want a bit more... Um, doing the divine beast was good because there were four absolute goals yeah. and, and there were steps in between those goals that you knew were coming, mm. but they still felt organically put upon you. Even if they were uh, like as silly as, you know, help, help the NPC in this area. Yeah. Convince the NPC to help you get to the divine beast so you can take it out. Like, and you know, it was the same every time. Doesn't matter. It felt organic enough. Um, but like I, 
for a long time now, I've been asking myself, like, what the hell am I meant to do with all of these machine parts, all these machine cores and screws and stuff? Because yeah. I didn't know that there was another, and like, I'm I'm sure there's more than two now that I've found the second one, but I didn't realize there was another. Oh, is there only two? Um, right. Um, like the 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 other research building, right? Like I stumbled upon that without having any idea that there was another one. Um, and the only reason I found that is because I found a literal sign that said it. Um, right. But I think I would. I think I wish I had a bit more. Like, hey, you've got a lot of these parts. Like, I hear, I hear over yonder, someone mm. over in this quadrant uses them or something. And I, I'm not even. Yeah. I'm not even sure if they use them there because I because I, I I'm just before that area. Um, I think the the person who gives you the camera in Hateno, the like old lady who looks like a kid, yeah. um, mentioned something about like her her research partner or something like that or right, her okay. apprentice. But I don't know if she gives you a location. Yeah, like I don't I don't even need like a hey go over to this village, but just like a hey like you know like up north. Yeah. Um you know give me a give me a cardinal direction. Um you know I'm I'm going through the album at the moment. Um Zelda's Zelda's memory album because yeah. uh, because I kind of don't really have a whole lot of direction otherwise. Um mm-hmm. and like look those those pictures do give you a like a, a a a location to go. They give you plenty of locations to go. Fifteen or something, or twelve. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a good middle ground of me needing needing still a goal. Because a big part of me with these games is I need to continue making progress. Otherwise, I fall off. I need to keep doing a thing. And shrines are not enough for me. Mm. The side quests are the smaller side quests are not. The, the favor equivalent ones, the errands, they're yeah. not anything to me. Yeah, those were the things that, like, if I hadn't done them by the time I got to the end, they were the last thing I did, like the favors. Yeah. Like, some of them I did along the way, and the others, when I got to the end, it was like, well, I've got nothing else to do and I want to keep playing. I can do this. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah a lot of them were like, why bother? Yeah, right. And it's like, you're like, oh, we'll give you, like, 20 rupees. I'm like, thanks. So, like, here's a shit sword. I'm like, Thanks. Yeah, um, definitely gets like that towards the end where you start you start finding more and more better gear more frequently yeah. as, the, as the gear scales. And like there are still wonderful moments, right? Like I can, I can kill a guardian. Like I can fuck those guys up. And yeah, it, man. It feels good to get over that hump because that was always like a. They were always like they are terrifying at the first yeah. time you see them. Like they are fast. They are, they are, awkward. Um mm. and they, yeah, they're sort of uncanny. Yeah, and they are strong, and you don't really know how to take them because they're built like tanks, right? Like, how do you how do you beat a tank with a sword? Yeah. Um, and the answer is like get a big one and then yeah. fucking wreck its legs, break um, all of its legs. Yeah, kneecap it six times, and then by that point, it's a couple hits away. Um, that is great. Loving that. Loving having all the abilities to go now, like I can I can yep. shoot up in the sky whenever I need to and stuff. Um but yeah, it's it's a it's 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 now become an awkward game, I think. Awkward. Yeah, like I think because there is still a lot to do, but there is like like how much of it is is worth doing. You know, I want to do the Master Sword. Yep. I want to get some then more what? Yeah, right. And it's how much is important, I think, to the overall structure, and the overall structure is make Link better. Um, right. But like, but like, okay, that's that's maybe too too reductive. Like, 
build Link up to the hero that he needs to be. Is yeah. is prepare the for the fight. Yeah, but 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 like fulfill this legend that everyone is continuously talking about. Um be the hero everyone thinks that you are. Um, yeah. and, and that works narrative, like, uh, thematically, but it's not doing as much for me in a, in a direct action way. Um, which is interesting. Mm. I, I will finish it. I think I reckon I've probably got less than a week in me, um, before I get to the end. Um, but I'll- still like you getting that far is still, I don't know. It's interesting having seen you be so done with it to start with and and then to have you come back and sort of not mind the weapon durability but still have your gripes about it but still enjoy it and still go forward. I don't know. It's 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 cool. Oh, I like, like it. I am I am beyond like not mind the weapon durability. I am like this is good and if they remove it in the next one that is a coward's decision. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, totally. I could see them maybe getting towards the end where it's like you get past like 80 spirit orbs and you can start like, like you can upgrade them because like, the fucking Master Sword breaks in Breath of the Wild. Yeah, like, I know. And that's a recharge. Like I could see them having it be that you can upgrade it so it doesn't when you get towards the end. Like I can see them giving you a, a like a late game strength upgrade compromise or something. But yeah, yeah. Well, like, yeah. Anything like- before that. Yeah, like I can, like maybe like you can you can mod weapons or something, and you can, you can you've only yeah. got a handful of unbreakable mods you can put on on weapons, and you can pick and choose which ones you want to put them on or something, right? Yeah. Um, but also like, but also thematically, this is going to be a completely different game, so maybe they don't need durability because it's not about you know rebuilding this fucking destroyed world or using whatever's left to overcome almighty odds. Mm. It might be different altogether. Totally, yeah. We have I, uh, any idea what this game is? This new one, Tears of the Kingdom. Yeah. Like, where do you no, go? No, not really. Yeah. They, they've been it's, so vague. They've and, shown very little. And like, good, but like, yes. it's it is it is fascinating to do a direct follow up. Yeah, I don't the even know what is, happens at the end of this game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's funny, like. What we know is all, like, mechanical stuff. We know that, like, Link's got this fucked up arm. Yeah. And it's, and that gives him, like, new Sheikah powers, I think. So that, instead of the Sheikah sight, because this isn't a Wii U game anymore, he's going to have this fucked up arm that does cool stuff. Yeah. And there's some teardrop ability, and there's going to be a lot of sky environments like rubble in the sky that you can use. Yeah. And that last trailer showed us that there's a lot of vehicles as well. All that oh, yeah, stuff, right? The a, vehicles, I forgot. Yeah, like hovercrafts and and buggies. The the ban- like, the banjo kazooie nuts and bolts vehicles. That's right. That's right. So like, but like, that's all we know. That and the original like reveal trailer with with um with them lurking in the caverns and finding what looks like the the mummified corpse of Ganon. Like, yeah, that's it. We don't know much. Remember when they said. The sequel to The Legend of Zelda The Breath of the Wild is now in development. Do you remember that? Man, that was cool. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't like, I didn't really care at that point. No. Yeah. I was like, Jeremy, they're, cool. make, they're making a second one. Ugh. It's, it's, it's so interesting as well, because just to, just to quickly hop on Zelda a little bit longer, the, the, the Zelda fascinates me as a franchise quite a lot because of how much they 
are focused on retelling the same story over and over again. Um, but like, but, but with with the knowledge they are doing that and with complete sincerity. Um, yeah. And, you know, they, they play into time loop-esque narratives and riff off of that and talk about, you know, end days and the the, the continuous prophecy of Ganon. Yeah, the, the hero defeating Ganon and the Triforce and, you know, wisdom, courage and power and all that stuff, right? Like, they, they, they continuously retell the same story not unlike neon genesis evangelion um the the i'm not making that connection um the not yet anyway um the 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 thing that fascinates me the most is when you do a sequel to what is a retelling of the original game Mm -hmm. basically you know when we when we spoke about is zelda open world and we spoke about how breath of the wild is the closest thing they've come to the original zelda narratively also it is as well in 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 a similar way where you know the first thing you do is meet the guy in the cave that says it's dangerous to go alone take this and he gives you a sword it's kind of like meeting the king at the beginning of breath of the wild oh very similar like it is the most one-to-one likeness of those two games yeah the series has ever had and so ish yeah (laughs) yeah right ish it's always ish um and doing a sequel to that is it not the same story again yeah but that's like that's not what i'm excited about when i'm like oh they're making a second one you know like that's not what has me excited i can't wait for the old man to say it's dangerous to go alone like that's not what has me ready for the next one sure but i think what excites me the most is we this is a very weird thing to be excited for i'm excited for them to retell that story again and i think see like how they remix it yeah, that interests me that they get a story that they like so much that they continuously and almost exclusively tell that story. Yeah, it's a good point. It's I'd say Majora's Mask is the time where they didn't. I, I, know, I know nothing about that game, so I can't even talk to it. Um, yeah, Majora's Mask and Link's Awakening. It's like it. Yeah, right. Fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> Zelda, man. Oh, I love Zelda Man. He's my favorite. Mm. Uh, speaking of man, <laughs> speaking of prefix man, man, comma hit. <laughs> let's talk about Hitman a bit more. I think I'm. Did I mention this a, a week or two ago that I played the start of it and it was interesting? Or not even? I don't even uh, know if I did that. Yeah, we did a little bit. Well, we're going to talk about it a bit more because Jeremy's played more. I've played more. We're talking about the. Uh, the new freelancer mode for Hitman, the World of Assassination, as it is now called. It's... uh, It's really good to be back with Hitman, I think. And there was some brief brief discussions that you were having on Discord last night with Oli about what this mode is worth in comparison to the uh, standard modes and and traditional levels of of this Hitman trilogy's uh, level design and, and mission structure. Um, but I think we we all landed on the same place that we're all glad that we're playing Hitman again. Like this is a great excuse to jump back in. Yeah, yeah, it is. It it is a good. It is just here is your ticket to more Hitman. Yeah, totally. We were we were talking about like what is this for? If like 
if the people who jump in and who haven't finished the game play it and then we, we've all kind of been hit with like, oh, I don't know this level because it's just kind of the, the freelancer mode. It's kind of a roguelike mode. It's random missions, random targets in random locations. Uh, it kind of throws you into different places and they're all the main missions, yeah. l- like levels. And you, you go there and you're like, oh, I haven't actually done this in the main game yet. I don't know anything and I've got these objectives and I don't know how to complete it. Ollie was saying that it made him just want to go back and get to know the levels a bit more before he went with that mode. Um, but yeah, you're also wondering about like how how like what are the legs on this mode? Does it have that much progression? Like yeah, it, it's, you just kind of do a bunch of objectives and you you kind of get the picture. It, it's it's fascinating because it makes complete sense. <laughs> yeah, like, like as a as a as a structure of a game mechanically, it makes complete sense because it's all about. It's it's a sandbox, right? And making a roguelike out of that sandbox works. Yeah. <laughs> very well. Very, that, very well. Because they've spent so long making different outfits and different NPCs and, and so many different weapons and items and Yeah, like it's it it's it's it is a this is an official randomizer for Hitman, right? You know, yeah, like, like yeah, 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 yeah. Like this is just what that is. Um and as someone who has played through all of the levels, like and I understand how they all work, at least at a base level. Um, being thrown into a random corner of that level with a whole lot less than what you usually would have is really interesting. Mm. But it does, it's, it is it is a randomizer all the way in terms of, like, it will sometimes just fuck you. Um, yeah. Th- remember, like, I was playing uh, the other day and I got thrown into, I don't remember which level it was, but I was basically in a courtyard in front of a very high security facility and everyone there had guns. Yeah, the the third level from the first season, yeah. the one with the military compound. And yeah. is that Marrakesh? Um I the, don't remember. Right. The it it basically like I was fucked from the get-go. I had I had no idea what to do. I yeah. had no weapons. I had like I think I had a I had a, a poison pills. Yeah, um, and like the door was locked, and you didn't have a, a lockpick or a crowbar. Yeah, and so what I did was like, well, what can I do? Well, this guy likes the sound of this window. I'll hide under the window frame, and I'll hopefully be able to pull him down and knock him out in one fell swoop. And he got close to the window, saw my dinky bald head poking up, and then shot it, <laughs> and I died. <laughs> yep. Saw my barcoded brain all over the place. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, the, it, the 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 thing that 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 I have the most questions about this this new mode is the progression because there's a lot of like weird base building depending on your level of your mastery overall in this freelancer mode and the the more you play the game the meta progression structure continues you get like more rooms in your base and a bathroom and more clothing options and more weapons and all that stuff and and i'm assuming there'll be a way to buy stuff in the black market at your own base but like it's i don't know how far that goes because eventually you're just going to have everything available to you like like not as a like i can do this however i want but like every style of thing that would be available to you will make its way to you quite soon yeah what do you do? Yeah, it's fascinating. And I love the idea too, because it's like, you start in this bunker. I got to like mastery level like six or seven and they were like, oh, you unlocked the staircase. So I'm like, oh, that's weird. Where does that go? And you walk up the stairs and you press the button and then you're in a house and you spent all of this time in the safe house 
in this bunker. It's like a it's like a doomsday bunker. Yeah. And then you walk into this house, you walk into this kitchen, and there's a glass of wine sitting there, and you can change the music, and <laughs> and it's gorgeous, it's gorgeous sunset outside. And I love the sure. idea that he's been locked out of his house until he did a couple <laughs> of missions. And but like more than that, all the doors outside is like unlocks at level twelve. And it's like, oh no, you can't go outside until he does well enough in his hits. <laughs> like, poor guy. <laughs> um but yeah, all of that stuff is there. It's like, oh, you can't unlock the gym until level 18. And a lot of the time it doesn't actually do anything, but it, it means that you can... It'll give you like a random item that you can bring into a level. Like a, the stethoscope in the sick bay, you could bring with you as a fiber wire. Right, okay. Yeah, there's, there's a newspaper in a toilet, which you can throw at an enemy to distract them, basically. Yeah, and that's important because with this mode, any gear that you take with you on a mission from your inventory from your fancy like weapon wall or your or your um poison briefcase or your or your lock picking set whatever anything you take with you if you die on a mission you leave all of that behind you lose it yeah it's persistent. but all the stuff that's in those rooms is there every time you go back so you can always find the stethoscope there as a fiber wire or you can always find the newspaper there as a blunt object to throw at someone and knock them out i guess which is hilarious yeah and I imagine, so you just get more of that stuff. It's annoying, like, if you want to take more of those things, you got to run to all of the different rooms. It's like, I need the soda can from over there. I want the stethoscope. I need to go up to the gym to get the dumbbell or whatever it is they put in that room. It is a bit strange, but it is funny. I don't... So the, the mastery level goes all the way up to 100. The, the latest things I've seen, like, oh, unlocks at is, like, level 30, and it's a lot of, like, cosmetics. Like, oh, you can change the way your corridor looks or the music that's playing in the house like at different levels or you can carry more with you so you can be more heavily armed as you leave the safe house the, the higher your mastery level is yeah um yeah it, it's it's strange the other thing that's funny as well is they give you all of the objectives at the start but a lot of them you need equipment for to pull off like poison or specific weapons so i'm not doing any of the weapon ones right now because i don't have any weapons at my safe house and i don't have enough money to buy enough of the weapons to pull off all the objectives mid-mission so like i'm not picking that train of of i'm not picking that style of mission anymore so i'm going lots of the like the the accident prone ones or the 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 stealth ones where it's like don't get seen on camera and i figured something out after we stopped playing okay it's not just about getting the target it's about going on a scavenger hunt in those other missions as well. It's what, about to get to get money. No, to get items. It's about resource gathering as well. It's about going through like, oh, like I'm in the other side of, uh, like you know, I'm in the upstairs area of of the Paris thing right yeah. now. But if I go down to the to the basement, I know there's like a fire axe and a and a. Uh, you know, I'm sure there's a screwdriver down there and some other stuff. You know, I need to. Yeah. You know. So something to keep in mind is many, many of the items in the freelancer mode are taken out. Like you're not going to find anywhere near the frequency of items sure, 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 sure. that you do in the main modes. But also a lot of those common items like hammers and wrenches and screwdrivers and like ceramic busts, they, aren't, they won't be a part of your equipment because they're common items or whatever. So you don't hang on to those. Oh, most really? Most of the time. You don't, you, most, like, there, there are some that you can find, right. but most of the stuff that you can find, you don't hang on to. I see. I see. Interesting. Yeah. I kind of yeah, wish it was your an, entire inventory. I kind of wish it was like a... Like, oh, you could find the fish 
and you could yeah. find the yeah you um, could find the, okay. the kitchen knife and the cleaver and I have an amazing idea for you, Kerry. It is a okay. it is it is similar to freelance mode, except instead of like you going back to base and replanning for missions, it is just you move directly onto the next one. But oh. but you have a challenge. The challenge is at the very beginning, the the campaign you are doing is you are avenging the death of of a of a father. Um, of, of, and uh, you have been contracted by the child of this father, right? And the the knife that he, the father was killed by, uh, was a letter opener that has his his name engraved in it. Okay. Yep. The child has commission has has hired you to to take out the the top leaders of this organization that has killed the father. But he wants you to know who did it. And where the okay. revenge is coming from. So he gives you the engraved knife or engraved letter opener. And it is your job to take that with you <laughs> and kill every single one of them with the same weapon. Yeah. This, every yeah. All six of those missions, you need to kill them with that weapon and show it to them so they know that, that mm. who is revenging. So like a, a vendetta target, a vendetta contract or something. Yes. Yeah, that's, yes, that's yes. interesting. Yeah. It does remind me a bit of the um, the escalation contracts. Kind of, But yeah. I think those are only on one level. Yeah. And it's like how it escalates on each level. Yeah, yeah. no, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had a, a really fun moment yesterday. Um, I just saved up enough money to I, where I could buy one of the more expensive items from the, the shop for that level. Mm-hmm. And I was. it took me to the, the, the Maldives. And so we're on this beach resort and there's this guy who I've got to get and I've got the I've got the um the the secondary missions are like uh do not pacify uh all doors stay locked so you can't break open any doors you can't unlock any doors and uh don't get spotted. Mm. And so I'm on the beach and I I'm trying to walk around to find this guy and I thought he was in the restaurant but he's in the like back of the restaurant inside this like gated back area with two guards at the, at the chain link fence. I'm like, ah, oh, shit. There's people here. He's not moving though. He's just standing up, having a drink, looking around, sitting back down, standing up, sitting down, standing up, sitting down. And I'm like, oh, well, hmm, this is interesting. I'm like, well, let me, let me figure this out a bit more. I'm like, oh, the shop guy's down there just on the beach. I'll just go talk to him. It's like, oh, there's cool stuff here. Let me see. Oh, I can buy the sniper rifle. And so I exit. I'm like, ah, oh, it's a shame. As soon as I buy that, it's going to be too big on my back and I'll be spotted immediately. And so I close out of the shop and I, I'm like, what am I going to do? And I look around and I'm like, oh, no one's here. It's just me and the shop guy. And the shop guy won't rat me out. So I go back and I, and, and then I look at the target and I have direct line of sight to the target from the shop guy. Yeah, yeah. The gears are the turning. Shop guy's just, he's just a guy in board shorts on the beach next to a boat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. that's like, and, and out in the ocean is the end of the level. Yeah. And so I buy the sniper rifle and it comes in a briefcase. So I'm not even spotted immediately, which is great. And so I start pulling it out and I hear the like, you're being noticed sound. The like, it's going up. They're like, yeah. And so I start putting it away, like, just in time. And then, like, a lifeguard who's, like, sprinting, who's, who's, who's like, checking the, the beach, is, like, running up and down the beach, and he's getting closer. So he's who was going to spot me. So I put it away. He runs away. Another lifeguard comes close by and is like, oh, I'm looking out on the beach. I'm like, oh, I'm just going to wait for this lifeguard to go away. They go away. Mm. I'm like, all right, time to get out the sniper rifle. I get it out. I look straight down the range, straight down into the island. There's my guy 
I shoot him in the head once. There's my guy. I put it back away in my briefcase and I fuck off. And like, it wasn't even that hard. Yeah. You know, it wasn't even that set. I didn't have to go to the sniper tower. I didn't have to like call them to go to the thing. It was just like, I think I could do this. Yeah. 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 And I did. I I think this mode is, its strength is a lot of those moments. Um, Yeah. Like I had one where like it was on the Knives Out. uh, uh, more. Dartmoor, yeah, the, the Knives Out Mansion, and it spawned me like in the in the the garden, um, out mm. the back, and my target was in the garden out the back, and it's yeah. and it's a hedge maze, and so I just like wandered in, yeah, knocked out some guy to grab his outfit so I could like then like so I could just stand up and walk around, yeah, picked up a screwdriver or a knife or something. And just went over to him and just like grabbed him by the back of the neck and pulled him down, strangled him, stabbed him. Yeah. Got up and just walked away. It was yep. like, and it was, it was, I think it was like two minutes. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was so quick and so efficient. Yep. But. And like, that's, it's, it feels like antithetical to what those missions are all about because those missions are so elaborate in the main game. Yeah. 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 But yeah, it's, it it's fun to just see what you could do to improvise. It feels comical that, that, yeah, it, was, that it was that easy. Um, well, most of that game feels comical a lot of the time, right? Oh, yeah, but th- this felt comical like almost at the game's expense that I right. was I was like taking advantage of the game as opposed to pl- like playing into it. Um, yeah. uh, the other time was... Um, so at, every, at the end of every like chapter in a campaign you get thrown into a level where there's about six or seven suspects. And, That's right, yeah. And, and you've got you to follow them around and you've, you've got a bunch of tells that get told you at the beginning of the level, which is like, oh, like they, the color of their hair, what accessories they're wearing, if they're really into food, if they're thirsty, if they are nervous, if they go to the bathroom a lot, if they are a smoker, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so you've got to sort of like follow around a bunch of these suspects to see if they mm. match all their tells. Mm-hmm. And then take them out when you're com- when you when you're confident. It's it's that one, and it's quite difficult. It yeah, is it is. They very hard. Proper hard. They are really hard missions. And so one of the ones I had was was in uh, Hokkaido, which is uh, the level in Japan, where it is in this gigantic futuristic evil spa retreat. Yeah. Slash medical facility. Yeah, slash medical facility. Um, and so I'm wandering around, and I've got this. I've got this prestige task, which is which is a new thing, which is a an additional optional objective, which is like it is run changing. It is not just like, oh, kill him with a knife. It is like the one I kept on choosing because I think it's so funny is hide and seek, which is oh, yeah. Every two and a half minutes, you need to jump into a wardrobe or a closet or a crate, and it will reset a timer. And if yeah. you if you can if you continuously do that over the whole map and then you get it right, then you get like a big currency um bonus at the end. It doesn't end the run or anything, but it's like it's a big bonus you wanna really try and incorporate because that's it's mm. really worth it. Um and so I am going around Hokkaido keeping an eye on where all the bathrooms are because there's always a wardrobe in a bathroom. So anywhere mm. I go, I've got about a minute and a half to figure out where I'm gonna go next. Hitman with the world's smallest bladder. Yeah. And then go back in uh, and keep hiding and then jump out again instantly because I'm not actually hiding. And so I'm wandering around trying to figure out where, like, which one of these it is. And I'm looking at a couple. I'm like, I think it's one of these two. 
And then because you can't just jump into a crate either, like in the middle of the street, because people will notice. They'll yeah. be like, "What the hell is that guy doing?" Yeah, so yeah. You've got like, to do it overtly. It's a it's a it's a suspicious task to do, a suspicious activity. Um, and so I, I, I had I, I think I brought it down to about two of these suspects that I that I thought it was, and then because the way the game works is the story missions are still actually happening inside the game. You just can't interact with them. And yeah. so all the NPCs that are the, the story NPCs uh, inside the level are still doing their rounds and still doing all the routines. Um, I bumped into someone from the first mission who is in <laughs> this mission later on in the campaign. And in the first mission of the campaign, you pretend to be like a supermodel Helmut Kruger who is mm. like this pretentious uh, avant-garde artist who is bald and has got like eyeliner, like like not eyeliner, but like spray paint over his eyes. And he's got this, yeah, he's, he's got a look to him. And inside the, the first mission of Hitman 1, uh, you pretend to be him and you do a catwalk so that you can then later on get a private audience with one of your targets and kill them. Um, this guy inside Hokkaido who was at that location in Paris um, recognizes you but he thinks you're Helmut Kruger or he thinks you're the guy that pretend to be Helmut Kruger I don't remember who he is but he starts yelling at me about Helmut Kruger <laughs> and I'm like and I'm like focusing on trying to find these suspects and I am while also hiding while also jumping into wardrobes every minute and a half and I'm like also trying to just not get spotted by a bunch of people who recognize me as not on the level as one of the employees and I'm like this is like so overwhelming and then this guy starts yelling at me like hey fucking you're the guy that pretended to be Homer Kruger Who the, what the fuck are you doing here blah blah, blah. and I'm I freak out and yeah. so I run and I Something happens. I either trigger an alarm or I kill the, the target. When it's a lockdown, didn't they? Yeah, like the yeah, like yeah, like all the targets started to flee. And if the target flees, then then you failed the mission, and that, that can be run ending depending. Um, and so I'm like, fuck. So I need to like I need to figure out what I'm doing right now. And I'm near an exit, and I see yeah. two targets go for the exit. I'm like, fuck. And so I just chase after one of them, and I'm like looking at him, going like, I don't know if this is you. This is not one of the two that I thought it was. Fucking. I, I hope it's you. And so I go over to him and he's in the doorway of the exit, which is this giant um, uh, chairlift thing, like, yeah, a, like yeah. a gondola that is going to go yes. down because uh, this, this, this mountain resort. Yeah, this mountain resort is at the top of a mountain. It takes a gondola to get up there. And I, I uh, s- uh, comedy stage show big wooden cane him back from the exit with my two hands to choke him out. Yeah. Snap his... Don't get spotted. Don't. Well, doesn't matter at this point. Snap his neck, get spotted, see... And I don't know if this is the right one. And if it's, if it's the wrong one, it's like, game over. Like, I've lost this mission. This is not yeah. the one who I thought it was. Snap his neck. I see the words target killed. And yeah. I stand up straight and I enter the gondola he was about to go in yeah. and I mission passed. And that is you the getaway scot free. That's the only time I've done that. I have not mm-hmm. passed that mission at all properly in any way, shape, or form. And that was the fucking funniest and most hectic way to have done it. Yeah. Um, fuck, what a cool game. It's so cool. It's so good. It's funny as well because, like, Part of what keeps me away from Hitman is like, like I love sharing it. And so like us, like there's four of us in our server playing it at the moment together, which is great. But also those missions, every time you play a new mission, it's hours. 
of time to it can be, learn yeah. the the outfits, the different items to die and fail and reload a save to see the different areas. There's always four or five or six different areas in the maps that have different that you need different um, disguises to get into, different key cards to open the locked basement to find the the disease, the the, the virus that you have to delete in Sapienza. Like yeah. these missions are so complex that it's like I usually what keeps me away from them is I can't commit four hours into doing this one level. There's something so accessible about these little little levels. Those suspects ones can be long because you as you figure each one out, they could be like 45 minutes. But that's kind of it. Yeah. And so I I, I and, and the other ones can be even less. And I, I actually really quite like how how easy it is to jump in and out of both of those. Yeah, I think this is a really good... I don't think this is very good for people who, who don't know the game. I think, yeah. I think that this is a mode that is, that is uh, best enjoyed upon finishing Hitman 1, 2, and 3. Yes. Um, but when you get there 100 hours later... 100 hours. 40 hours later. Yeah. It's still a decent chunk, but it's... it's th- so much content like now. Three full games. Yeah. Um, it, it, like, what a, what a dessert. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think it's one of the best ways IOI could have um, sent off this, this trilogy of games that is, has really been their, their, their darling over the last seven years that it's been releasing yeah. across different publishers across like de- like under square enix then independent like it's been a whole tumultuous tale with this franchise for that that whole studio yeah and every and the quality is so apparent and it's so high caliber yeah and but like also like the execution of their like of their original vision really yeah, like yeah. The, the 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 reveal trailer that they'll make another hitman game it was like the subtitle was called World of Assassination. That was the thing that they were going for. They wanted to give you locations all around the world to mm. do assassination targets in. And they've like, they have executed on that so fucking accurately. Cause yeah. it like now I'm looking at a world map going, where am I going to go? I went here mm. last time and I fucked up this region. And so now if I have another mission, that, that's another thing I didn't realize. If you fuck up a level in a, in a region and you got to go back there next mission, they all know you're there and it'll ruin the campaign if you fuck it up. Like it will end the campaign if you fuck it up there again. Mm-hmm. That is such a cool level of persistence. Yeah. No, it, it's really good. It's amazing. And I think it's a great way to send off the franchise because this, as you said, it's like an official randomizer. This this gives the hardcore another another new way to play Hitman that is repeatable. It's dynamic. It's it's different. It's creative. There's so many different types of targets and mm-hmm. and modifiers you can use for each one. It's 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 really really impressive. I hats off to IOI for this one. They've done a great job. Yeah, totally, one hundred percent. And then uh, we've got one more one more game to talk about for the week. Uh, I spoke about this last week as well, which was Metroid Prime Remastered. Um, I don't remember where exactly I was up, up to in the in terms of where in the game I was when we spoke last week. Uh, I, I beat the game this weekend um, with 100% collectibles and all of that, which is part of the work I have to do for it. But um, Jeremy's well aware of this because I've been, I've been sending stuff to him, but I am so far down the rabbit hole right now with Metroid. Like, 
like I'm looking at like amiibos. I want. I, I'm looking at posters. Like, do I get like a Samus shirt? Do I want to go to the EB Games we used to work at and buy that one Samus arm cannon that we could never sell? <laughs> like, I'm so in. I'm so in right now on buy, this game. Buy the helmet. Buy the helmet. There's a helmet. I'm sure. a, I didn't even think about a helmet to buy. Um, I'm sure there's a I'm, helmet. I'm just gonna open a tab. Samus helmet replica all right that tab will be waiting for me when when we end the show uh yeah i'm so in i really really love the game i the the reviews came out for it later in the week and i've been talking about it with friends in the discord and um the ign review which i provided footage for uh sam claiborne gave it a 10 and when that review came out and i hadn't finished the game i said i agree with this score I finished the game later that day and I said, ah, not quite, not quite a 10 for me. It loses a bit of juice towards the end. Uh, and I just got a question from Tootie in chat. Hey, Tootie. No, I hadn't played the original. Just three when that came out. Uh, <laughs> that's it. And I played some of the 2D Metroids, but not all of them. Um, so yeah, this was, this was all brand new to me. And, and I just had so much fun. First of all, like I said last week, it's so great that the controls so modernized and unhinder this game because when you play the classic controls it feels so limited it feels so uh yeah just not fun <laughs> a lot of the time yeah on the on the initial control scheme it's so great to just have dual stick control for the game um but the there's something to be said you know jeremy you're talking with before about metroid about how it had uh no, sorry, you were talking before about Zelda, about how it had, they, they tell the same story, right? You've got the hero of time and they fight Ganon and the wisdom and courage and power and all of that. And there's a degree to which Prime does this as well. There's a, there's a symmetry that you get between this game and Super Metroid. It's like where... poetry, it rhymes. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you, George. Yeah. Uh, where, you, where you start the game on this like orbiting space station the space station uh, self-destructs and crashes and you have to escape it. And that's the very start of the game. You land on the planet. The, the ship's in this central hub area and you go to the different zones from this area near your ship. You find the crash ship like halfway through the game as like a derelict, broken, submerged station on the planet. That's in Super Metroid. It's in Metroid Prime. There's a lava area. The first area's got all this stuff. Like it, it has all of that, but it, it doesn't, it feels repetitive only in the way that Metroidvanias also kind of have that same loop. Like, almost all Metroidvanias have that same loop of you start underpowered. It's what, it's what defines a Metroidvania. You start underpowered, you get more stuff. It allows you to go back to the old places with more powers and more abilities to be able to do more things and find more secrets and destroy the older enemies with ease and, and tackle new challenges and explore new areas. That's what a Metroidvania is. So it doesn't feel rote. It just feels excellent. Yeah. Mm. I, I really love the, the power fantasy that you can go through with all of this. Um, now, I, the reason why I, I sort of didn't feel it really stuck the landing is because you get to the ending where you beat like the, the final pirate boss. Also, can I just say I love that the, the like, species that you're like, going against are the pirates. Like, you read their, like, data logs and they're talking about phase-on, like, experimentation and, like, genetic mutation and, and they're like, oh, yes, we've, 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 
the these subjects have have taken well to phase on injections, uh, where where all previous uh, subjects had to be euthanized. It's like dark, dark shit, and and they're like, we've dubbed these these specimens elite pirates. <laughs> The pirates have called themselves the these are the elite pirates. And, oh, and at the end you fight the Omega pirate. <laughs> sometimes the words just fit. <laughs> it's sometimes so just funny. what they are. Like that's their race. Like that's their that's their people. Pirates. Yeah. Space pirates is their people. Yeah. That's how they identify. It's so funny. Um But yeah, you get to the end of that, and then to get to the the very the source of the phase on the source of the, the 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 badness on the planet you have to open this ancient chozo lock with these 12 artifacts a lot of which you can only find after getting uh 90% of the upgrades in the game so all of a sudden you have to go across the whole map to find these 12 artifacts these 12 chozo artifacts and and, and that unlocks the thing cuz i was working to update a guide as part of my playthrough for this i didn't really get stuck i kind of went through and found them all it doesn't. I think the game does a decent job of giving you hints. Um, I think if I had come across this when I was ten or twelve, I would be really, really struggling. I would have really disliked it and probably maybe not finished the game even. Yeah, like it would have been that one where I, I would have gone one area and been like, I get to the top of the, the space and it's the room it says and I can't find anything and what the hell and turns out you need to look with your x-ray visor on the ledge below the final ledge and there's a secret door there that you could only see with you know it's all of that random crap yeah w- one of my co-workers played this game when w- w- like way back when it came out um and he's like a little bit younger than me as well and so i think he was about seven when he was playing it and he was just like and he's playing it now and he's like i love this game now like this game is incredible now back then yeah. i had no idea what i was doing like it was totally it was so confusing to him back then I feel exactly the same. Like, I feel like if I'd played this when I was any younger than 15, I would have hated this game. And when I played Metroid Prime 3 Corruption, I, I was like 12 or 13 and I stalled. I, I got to a point and I was kind of scared of the Metroids, but also I didn't know what to do. And it turns out the answer was just to scan a thing in one area. And that was it. And so, like, you know, that, that frustration can be there. Um, and then also the final fights, a lot of the bosses are pretty, they're too tanky. Like, they're just spongy. Um, and so that can take away from it. But the feel, like, getting the ice beam and being able to freeze the, like, rocket pirates and just shatter them with missiles is so fun. And and getting the plasma beam and just melting everything in your path is amazing. Jeremy, the different suit designs in this game are so fucking cool. They're so amazing. And it's just, me- they're just Metroid suits. But then there's a, there's a Phazon suit. And I won't say anything more than that because if anyone plays the game, which everyone should do, like I, I will, I will. Like it's, it's. It I is, know it, it's it's on my list. I, like it's on my list. It's everyone, high on my list, actually, everyone should at least try this game. Like, if it's too expensive for you at sixty, like the physical version's coming out in a couple of weeks. In a few months, I'm sure it'll be ten, fifteen, twenty dollars on sale at some point. Buy this game and play it. Borrow this game from a friend. Play this game. At least give it a good few hours. It's, I think it's so good. If you get lost because there's a lot of backtracking that they don't really hint towards you, there's a very aggressive hint system you can turn on that's like, go here. And that can help alleviate the whole, like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, there's enough to bring people through if you are going to find friction on some points that this... It can it can bring you through to the rest of the game. It's so 
good. I haven't had this feeling before. Well, no, I have had it before, but I haven't had this feeling in a long time where I finish a game and I'm like, I want to play it again. I want to play the next one. I want to play the one after that. I want to play the ones that came before it. I want to buy merch. I want to play this game again, again. I like, I am so in right now. It's outrageous. It's ridiculous. What, like, what was the last game you had that for? Do you remember? I remember, I, I feel like I remember talking on the podcast about a time where I really bought into a game. Uh, but I can't, I can't remember off the top of my head what it was. I, I really liked Arceus, but I never finished it. Um, Surely it's not just like Celeste, is it? Like there's got to be something no. prior, like after that rather. I think so, but I don't remember what it was. One, yeah. of the, one of the defining, one of the ones that sticks in my head, which I don't think is the most recent and it's not entirely equivalent because I wasn't, it wasn't the same like show me everything that came before, show me everything after, I want merch, I want this, I want that. But I did get very into it and I found it very enjoyable was when I played the first Metal Gear Solid where it was like going back and playing a classic, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's what this is, where it was like, oh, wow, even although this is old, and I mean, this has been modernized, even though this is old, I, it was still such a thoroughly enjoyable game. It showed me why it was a classic back then, because it still felt amazing to play in the current day. That's, that's what I got out of that experience in 2015 with the first Metal Gear. Um, this one is, it's even better than that, though. The, this is definitely, it, it, definitely the best-looking game on Switch. It looks amazing. That it, it's just it's so hard to go wrong. If anyone's played Super Metroid and hasn't played Prime, play Prime. Especially if you enjoyed it at least at all. If you if you've played Hollow Knight and enjoyed Hollow Knight, play Prime. If you enjoy like Nintendo quality games and you never got to it at low at low least, prices, <laughs> at least give it a go. At least play it. It's so high quality. It's so fun. It's so good. What did I say? Like, what did I say yesterday? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Metroid evangelist. I'm a, I'm an evangel Metroid <laughs> or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's um, yeah. I can't, I can't wait, and I know I have to, and I'm very sad about it to play two and three when they hopefully come to Switch, and I'm so stoked to play four. I'm gonna go back and play Zero Mission. I did play a bit of Metroid One on NES on my on my 3DS last night. Not great. Not a fun time. <laughs> Not a fun time at all. Um, You're excited to I pay think... seventy dollars two more times for games that are less than like l less than fifteen years old. Well, first of all, it was sixty, and second of all, yes, I am. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Because you can't get the dual stick Metroid control scheme anywhere else, and. You can't get it with this graphics either. Oh like, yeah, yeah, I know, but like I think that Metroid One Metroid Prime One is gonna get the most love and two and three are just gonna come out maybe almost like not as is, but they will come out knowing they don't have to do as much to it, and so they won't. I would be surprised if if they re I'd be surprised if they don't get the graphical remastering, the same graphical remastering that the first one did. Like that that wouldn't make any sense to to not do that same graphical work at least to to bring them all on par with each other. I I think they'll do a like but like I think they'll do what Halo did, which was when they brought out a collection. It was Halo one like Halo one the remaster, Halo two the the remaster, and Halo three was still as is, um because it was new enough at that time. I know I know it's 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 a shorter period of time back then, but I think that that I think they'll I think three at least I think they won't touch. 
I, I disagree because ultimately that game came out on the Wii. Like kind of know. kind of like early Wii. And like <laughs> these these games are Early morning Wii. Like, th- these games, they-, they kind of... They kind of... Like, the Wii was not a pretty console, you know? I'm such a child. I'm still laughing at early well, Wii. Well, I mean, it's just a funny name. I, I remember I being know. a child when they announced the Nintendo Wii. I know, but, like, laughing at an early Wii is, is just... It's, it's, it's good. <laughs> it's a good joke. Yeah, Tootie says in chat, are we laughing at the name of the Wii in 2023? Uh, 2D, I haven't played Dread. I'll be playing that. I'll, I'll also be playing that in the future. I'm, I'm excited to play all things Metroid. I've got my 3DS. I'll be playing Samus Returns as well. I, I, I had to do work on it at the time, so I, I was spoiled for a lot of the discoveries. We are now both telling you to play Dread next. No, I'll get, it's on the list. No, next. Nah, 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 nah. Because I won't go back. I won't want to go back if I play Dread. And then yeah, going back to will. Samus Returns. Nah, 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 nah. I'm not doing Dread next. Yeah, I'll play Fusion. I never finished Fusion. Anyway. Um, and the show. Yeah. I, I, think, I think 2 and 3, they'll bring up to par with 1 Remaster. It would, it would be... I, 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 I would be very upset if they didn't. And I really don't think there's any reason for them not to. Part of the reason <laughs> got, why this Remaster okay. is so good is because it is so graphically impressive for the Switch. I'll give you a reason. <laughs> they don't gotta. <laughs> Nintendo don't have to. <laughs> it's not the kind of thing they would do, though. They've never done like a a full I just... Switch port version of something without updating it. Yeah, they did. They've released they've released Virtual Console stuff where it's like, here's the old one. Mario Galaxy was it. that. It was updated to 1080p. Yeah, but they didn't like they they gave it controls and and increased the resolution of the render, but they didn't change the look of the 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 game. It's the, sure, it's the but they also co- didn't release it on its own. I know now they don't release it at all. Like I I just, I just have no faith in them to to do anything the correct or normal way. I'm fully expecting it okay. to be the Metroid Prime remastered and then Metroid Two, uh, Metroid Prime Two, and then Metroid Prime Three. Like yeah. I just I have no faith that they'll do that properly. Um, yeah, you know I, they, they did they they made Sunshine just as is and sixty four as is and I know they didn't sell them separately but like they could have and they didn't um, and t- Galaxy Two just doesn't exist so maybe we only get one and two and not Metroid Prime Three ever on the Switch because they could just do whatever like I have yeah. no faith in any logical decisions with them. Okay, I mean I I get that. I'm I'm not in that state of mind. I'm 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 not feeling that way, but that's 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 fine. Uh yeah, this this has me so like Metroid ready. I even want to play Other M. Watch Alien. Which is like Pardon? Watch Alien. That's not Metroid, Jeremy. It's the same thing. It's not the same, Jeremy. It's, the same it's not thing. Metroid. It's the same thing. You'll love it. That doesn't excite me in the least. If you're in, and it you, it should because it is really excellent and the exact same thing. Dude and is also saying it's the same thing. You will love it. There is never a think... there is never a better time to enjoy that movie than the state of mind you are currently in. I've seen Alien, not the movie, but I, I've, I've I have seen it. I've seen the the style and the mythos and the it, it, and do- it doesn't really it doesn't excite matter. me. It, tr- trust me. Just, just trust me to watch a two-hour great. 
Maybe oh. in a bit. Right now, I'm going to be focusing on other Metroids oh. and not knock off Net- Metroid. <laughs> Watch it. Oh, knock off Metroids. How dare you blaspheme. <laughs> End this podcast now, you silly man. Yeah, I will. I will. That was funny to say, though. Uh, yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for listening to my, my final rant here at the end of the show. Um, and our emulation discussion at the start of the show. It's it's uh, I think this is a good episode. I I, I like when we what we've been playing is just so like we're just so into it. We can just kind of ramble and just be excited about it. That's a good time. Uh, so thank you so much for getting to the end of the episode. We do really appreciate it. Uh, make sure to listen to next week. Oh, Jeremy, what are we doing next week? Uh, we never decided that. Oh, really? Oh no! Didn't well, it? everyone, we'll we'll. Ugh. I I thought we did that. Maybe we did do that. I thought we did. We we looked it out at our topics ahead of time. Uh, fucking mate, <laughs> no clues. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> uh, uh, well, we'll have something next week. We we, we swears. Yeah. Uh, the best way to make sure you don't miss that episode, whatever it is, uh, is to follow all of our socials at Minimap AU. Uh, you can follow us individually too. Uh, Jeremy, where can they follow you on Twitter? Uh, at Obi1Jez. You can follow me on Twitter at KJPalmer underscore 24. Uh, you can also head to minimap.com.au for absolutely everything else Minimap related, including the Minidisc podcast. Uh, our latest one was on the Artful Escape. And uh, our latest article published, uh, which was Jeremy's Steam Next Fest uh, list of games to check out. That was, that was the last one. He's working on one for the MSI event he was at this week and... I'm I'm working on provided I have time. I've got a very busy couple of weeks coming up, but I also want to write something up for Metroid as well and how the controls revolutionize it. Um, for those that are live with us here on Twitch, uh, stick around. We're about to start the post show. Go through Jeremy's MSI goodie bag. Talk a bit more about Metroid and Alien, maybe. Uh, for those of you listening later, make sure to give us those oh so tasty five star ratings. It helps out a lot. And consider consider joining next week for the live show. It's a really fun time. Uh, lastly, if you wanted to, you can also support us on Patreon. Uh, if you want to help keep the mics and lights on, you can do that by heading on over to patreon.com slash minimapau. And for five Australian dollars, dollary dues, you'll get 24 hours of early access for all episodes of the Minimapcast. Uh, you'll also be able to access the Minimapcast post shows after the fact if you want to see something that happened there, uh, as well as other E3 shows that we're going to be working on, all while helping us out greatly. Uh, that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time.